All right. So I woke up at 4.15, 4.20 this morning, a little before my alarm went off. And for some reason, I had a whole bunch of podcast ideas in my head. And so I, I reached over and grabbed my phone and without my glasses on. So it was very much like, eh, what's, what's going on? Where is everything? Eh. I just started typing some notes into my phone and I pulled it up right now. Let's take a look at what's in here. And the, the thing is, it's now about five hours after that. The real question is, do I understand any of what I wrote down here? And the answer is, good God, to be determined. We're going to have to do a little investigative work here, I think. Let's hit it. And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is The Drop Set. With your host, Darren Starr. shit show oh my god um so first things first is i would like to congratulate myself um we broke a few records last week um which was great it was um first of all i think it might have been the shortest podcast episode to date um not the best not not the one that I'm most proud of, um, not the one that I was happiest to record, but nonetheless, the shortest. This is 2.39. Hi, by the way. Welcome to 2.40. I'm Darren. Thanks. Um, and it was also, um, we broke some records for, um, I think, the most total times during an episode, even though it was only 10 minutes long, that I said the words, um, and sucks. Uh, I stand by both of those, not only the, the highest number in total, but I think also like per minute, I think we, we completely obliterated that record. So, um, uh, not, not a great episode last week by any standard, but nonetheless, um, made history at least. So, um, I'm going to have to go back and, and, um, ask Guinness to authenticate that record, but uh, I think they'll probably do it for me here. So, um, a few, uh, a few topics here. So I'm looking at this uh, this thing. I'm like, wow, what uh, what was I thinking here? There's really like one topic to cover and a bunch of notes, right? So we'll cover the bunch of notes first, and we'll dig in on the topic, which, you know, if you read the uh, show notes um, on this prior, you're looking at them now, you know what that topic is. Not, not a big secret to anybody. Um, so first of all, I'm going to take a, a little vacation here, which is kind of nice. So uh, any, any of my clients listening here, they probably already heard this. And trust me, you've heard this before. I'm sick of saying it because I said it so many times now. <clears throat> but uh, this will be my first time taking a vacation where I don't take work with me in some way in probably about two and a half years. So um, during that stretch, I'm not sure if I've even had a day off, like a full day off where I'm not checking email or responding to stuff or anything like that. And let me tell you, like... You get real burnt the fuck out if you live like that. So this is my advice to everybody. And I give this advice to clients all the time. Like, hey, don't overwork yourself. Like, you know, chill out. You know, people talking about missing workouts because they're working really long days. I'm like, yeah, pull back, you know, see if you can delegate some stuff, you know. Um, just, you know, tell your boss you didn't sign up for overtime, whatever. It's like, yeah, I, I don't do that myself. Um, so I am a little bit of a workaholic. So I'm going to leave it behind. We are taking the... Uh, 
I don't know, short drive, not that short. Hop, skip, and a jump away to Hot Springs, North Carolina, um, where we have a VRBO spot waiting for us for a few nights. Going to take the dogs with us, treat it like a little, uh, you know, we do have a spa date set at Hot Springs as well for Saturday night. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, basically, like I'm taking my, I'm taking some books, taking the dogs, taking a guitar and an amp. And just going to noodle and veg and take naps, probably watch some TV, walk the dogs, and sit in the hot tub at our place, go to the hot springs, eat, and that's it. Nothing else. Nothing else. Come back, and then once back, I'm going to take a couple more days to chill. So the way it works, and you know, when you're a, when you're a coach who does things on a weekly basis, like I have weekly check-ins with all my clients, like scheduling vacations gets to be tricky, especially around the holiday season. So I think I've stumbled upon finally after 13 years of doing this, eventually, you know, a a good idea presents itself because we've got Thanksgiving, um, the month before and then Christmas now. So, you know, my clients, I always put them in categories. I got Monday clients. I got Tuesday clients. I got Wednesday clients all the weekdays. Um, I have people that I check in with and it's consistently the same people on the same days each week. So, in November, I have to give a big middle finger to my Thursday clients and take Thanksgiving off. Understanding that there's going to be um, Christmas right around the corner, I might want to take some time off for that as well. I've historically done a lousy job of doing this, um, but I might want to take a few days off. And so, therefore, I'm like, I'm just going to take the Thursday off and that's it. Um, and not stretch it into several days, just the one day, that's it. So then I have more flexibility for Christmas, which then I don't usually end up taking, even though it's a great time to skip a week because, you know, a lot of my clients are like, eh, busy doing stuff. You know, can we just skip it? So I have historically spent a lot of time sitting around on Christmas week waiting for check-ins that just aren't coming anyway. So not everybody, but more so than usual for sure. So it just kind of makes sense to to not be around and make sure that everybody's set up for you know, a week of me being away and inaccessible largely. Um, but also it's like, you know, even on Thanksgiving this last year, I still did, uh, a, a couple hours worth of work in the morning. There were, uh, some clients that I did need to check in with just because of their proximity to a show. I didn't want to have them just skip the week or anything like that. Maybe they just started up. It would have been their first or second check-in. So, you know, there, there's always something like that. And today or this week, um, with this trip, I'm just bouncing a few people around next week. Today's when I'll be back. So, um, doing the best I can. It's, it's an imperfect system. Um, but it's the one that I have to try and contend with. So I don't feel like I've found quite the right, um, or optimal Avenue for approaching it and handling it, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. God damn it. I'm trying, I'm trying. So it is vacation time. I am excited for that. Um, I wanted to, um, take just a second to, also just shout out my own YouTube channel here, um, because I am putting some effort and some energy into it. I want to get the subscribers up on that. So, um, just as I ask all the time and uh, for, you know, if you like this podcast, you want more of it, share these episodes, tag me in it on social media. Um, easiest is Instagram at Darren underscore star can tag me there. Um, share it, catch my attention. Um, do a decent job of checking my message requests on Instagram as well. Decent, not great, but decent. So even if we aren't friends, um, you can still, uh, tag me and there's a good chance I'll see it. So, um, please do, please do. I love that. It is, you know, it is how these things grow. Like, you know, 
I, I started listening recently to the Smartless podcast. How did I find that? My wife told me about it. Would I have ever heard of it otherwise? No. Word of mouth is how this stuff comes about. So um, you sharing these episodes makes all the difference in the world. Same thing with videos on YouTube. So the thing about these podcasts is I can just sit here and rattle this off for 40 minutes, spit it out, type up some notes, upload it. Not a lot to it, right? Pretty easy. Not doing a lot of editing on these just because the format of it and just kind of the free-flowing nature of it doesn't really require that. So with the YouTube video, there's a lot more production that's involved. So even though a video might only be half the length of a podcast episode or less, it takes about four to five times the amount of time to actually produce it, um, record it, edit it, and all that good stuff. So um, when I do post new stuff on YouTube, man, I would love it if you would share that all over the place too. Thank you. So, I mean, it really helps the algorithm to like the video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, leave a comment. I don't care if the comment is total bullshit. Like you could just, you know, quote the preamble of the, uh, constitution. If you wanted to, I could care less. You could type in God save the queen. I whatever, any comment is good. So uh, you can call me an idiot. I would prefer you not, but I would take it over no comment. A, a negative comment about me is better than no comment. That's how the algorithm works. So, um, so we, I want to get those videos showing up to more people as suggested. Part of that is on me making sure that they're, um, they're tagged with the appropriate keywords and hashtags and stuff, and also just making sure that the video is good enough to hold people's attention. So I watch a lot of the metrics on that. Um, I've also found that if I'm recording something on camera, holy shit, I need to shave before I record anything. Um, like a two days worth of stubble on camera, it looks like dog shit on me. Whew, man not good. So that's extra. Like, you know, there's, there's grooming associated with that as well. Like here for this podcast, I'm literally sitting here in a shirt, shorts, socks, and my robe, which my wife affectionately calls my biohazard robe because I wear it all the time in the winter because I'm always cold. And she's like, you need to wash that thing more than once a month. Probably like you should probably wash it daily. Realistically. I'm like, yeah, I know. And then I don't. So, um, there you go. There you go. Insight into me. Um, so anyway, YouTube, I should probably tell you how to find the channel. Um, if you go to my social media, like go to Instagram and go to my links, it's in there. Um, if you just search five star physique on YouTube, you will find it. It'll come up. So it's not one of those things where you, I don't think you can just go to youtube.com slash five star physique. I don't think it works like that. Um, let me try. I'm going to try it right now. YouTube.com slash five star physique. We might all learn something here. Um, nope, 404 not found. And when I, when I go to the, my control center and I try to share the link from in there, it's just like some big long code or whatever. So, um, the recommendation is go to YouTube, just search for five star physique, find that channel, subscribe. If you hit the little bell for notifications, you'll get notifications when I upload a new video. It's not that often. It's not going to spam the hell out of you. I promise. I promise. I don't go live every day. So you won't get those spammy notifications either. I don't have time for that bullshit. So, um, Anyway, just wanted to give the YouTube channel a little bit of a shout out. So also um, uh, looking for questions. I do have an interview coming up. This is on in early January. I will be recording this with IFBB Pro and posing specialist Autumn Cleveland. So any questions that you have for Autumn, shoot over my way. I'll post uh, some Instagram stories with a spot where you can leave a question there as well. Um, you can follow her, see what she's all about. Um, really all about like trying to, I mean, nobody's a one trick pony, right? She's about more than this, but really her, her mission is to try and improve posing for everybody across the board. So, um, an admirable mission, 
a difficult one. She has posing courses um, online. Um, I believe she offers um, one-on-one coaching as well. I'm not totally positive on that, but I think so. Um, but anyway, um, we'll uh, we'll dig in more with her when she is here in early January. So any questions for her that you have in the meantime, shoot them over to me. I will save them. Um, the, uh, you know... This is one thing. So I'm going off of my notes here. Um, for some reason, this popped into my head. Um, I have a lot of clients, like not clients. I have a lot of inquiries from potential clients that come through the website. Hard numbers here. I get somewhere between three and ten inquiries like that per week. About um, like this week leading into Christmas is slow. I haven't had any this week. I probably won't see any for the whole week just because people are doing other shit. I had one come in over a couple come in over the weekend, but nothing this week so far. Um, usually it's pretty steady. I can get upwards of ten to twelve in a week, which is pretty good. So um, the you know behind the scenes, like the closure rate on that, not great. Like if I get five or six, I might close one of those, get one new person to sign up. A lot of people they're shopping around, they're they're kind of price shopping. I will not compete with anybody on price. I don't aim to. Everybody's like, do you have any discounts? No, because um, what you're investing in with a coach is my time, and I don't discount my time. Um, I have learned over the years not to do that because time is the one thing in life you can't get more of. Basically, as a coach, what I'm selling is my expertise and my time, and my time I don't discount. I absolutely don't. So, um, but a lot of people are just like kind of like price shopping. A lot of people are, you know, a lot of people I just turn away. I'm like, I don't think we're a good fit based on what you're telling me here. A lot of people I have learned to identify people that are just uncoachable. Um, and I don't want to spend my time tearing my hair out with those people. If they're like, you know, I have these goals. They're very ambitious, but I want to continue doing this. I don't want to stop doing this. I want to make sure I can still do this. I'm like, well, then just keep doing all that stuff. You don't need a coach to keep doing what you're doing right now. If you want to really change yourself, you're going to need to do different stuff and you need to be open to that. I did have one situation. I won't name names, although I want to, because he was such a fucking dumbass about it like it just it made me mad in a way that a client has not made me mad he was my client for a day and then I fired him and in an unprecedented move I actually refunded the payment that he gave me as well just because I didn't want to feel like I was on the hook to having to deal with his bullshit emails for a whole month Um, like that's never happened to me in the whole time I've worked I've been doing this Um, but I sent his initial plan over and (laughs) he just immediately picked it apart like uh, you know, th- these calories are not my maintenance calories. So why would I not do this? I'm like, you don't know what your maintenance calories are. And do you just want to maintain buddy? And he picked apart the training. Like, I don't want to do these exercises. And he's like, I'm going to eat a halo top every night. That's not my plan. I'm like, I want to just say like, God, fuck you. Why did you waste your time even reaching out to a coach? Like, I feel like I do a pretty good job filtering those people out. He did not present himself as being such a monstrous diva throughout I mean we had many emails back and forth and there was no indication that he was going to turn into fucking bridezilla once he got the plan but there he was and oh my god like I could not fire him fast enough my face turned red and I had this visceral reaction like I just laughed at my computer like are you fucking kidding me oh my god never had that happen before anyway the point of this where are you going, Darren? I have no idea. I mean, if you don't know that by now, come on. This is clearly the first episode you've ever listened to. I have no idea where I'm going ever. I do have a point. So this is the exception. Um, 
a lot of clients ask like, hey, what are your certifications? <laughs> to which I say, ha, 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 ha. I have three. They have all lapsed because they're all fucking worthless. Like a personal training certification or a nutritional certification is dumb and worthless when it comes to bodybuilding contest prep um, or even body transformation, realistically. So let, let's go through it here. What do I have? I, I wish I could pull out the textbooks, but I gave them away. Um, so I don't have them to refer to. So I had a personal training certification through ACSM, the American College of Sports Medicine, which to this day remains one of the hardest tests I've had to take. Um, and, you know, I've taken, you know, six calculus courses. I've taken three terms of calculus-based physics. I've taken fucking, what was that called? Um, oh, Structures 2 in civil engineering, which, God, the force method still haunts my dreams. Nightmares, more appropriately. Um, like I've taken some hard tests. That ACSM test qualifier, it's the hardest test I've ever taken and passed on the first attempt. Um, it, it was it was tricky. Um, but the kind of stuff covered in that was like, you know, here's the anatomy of a muscle fiber. Here is how a calorie is broken down by your body. Here is how you use a sphygmo manometer to check somebody's blood pressure. How many times have I ever had to do that? Like a real one, not like a... a, a battery operated cuff that you get from CVS, but the kind with a little pump thing and the dial that you turn and you have to use the head, the stethoscope headphone things. Um, clearly I paid a lot of attention. I don't remember what anything's called. Um, like, uh, what kind of personal trainer is ever going to do that? I mean, give me a break, you know, calculating METs, metabolic equivalent units. How useless is that? Like, this is the kind of stuff that was in the ACSM course. So I, I studied up on like how to calculate METs and how to do all that. Um, and uh, there were no questions on the test about it. I felt cheated completely. So um, that and, you know, you get to the point where it's like exercise mechanics and there's like one page demonstrating a squat and it shows like start finish and it's like some you know generic client and some trainer in slacks and a polo shirt standing around watching them like this is what an acsm certification is it is not a serious or legitimate personal training certification they pass it off as such it has credibility it is worthless in practical terms it is absolutely worthless i have two nutrition certifications through the afpa one is a general nutrition certification one is a sports nutrition certification these i would say are less worthless um but also like there was i'll never forget there was one sidebar in the fiber um uh uh section that was a subsection under the carbs it was all about farting um and like they just threw it in there as like a giant joke and um, i mean it wasn't funny i mean to be clear i'm an eight-year-old boy at heart i think farts are hilarious um but like their attempts were just not funny it was like it's it's hard to be unsuccessful with fart humor but they managed like they're like oh this is gonna be so funny i'm like guys just stop stop Part of it is not the time or the place. It's a textbook, all right? But I still feel like if I was writing a textbook, like I could kill with some fart jokes in the middle of that textbook. I feel like I could, truly. Um, it was just not, it was so basic. The whole course was just so basic. And like they didn't even get into the concept of calorie counting. Like they defined the word macronutrients, but it's also so general. The sports nutrition one was geared almost entirely towards endurance athletes. And like how you should you carb up before a race, blah, blah, blah. And, it was, it, and beyond that, it was either that or it was so deep into the weeds on organic chemistry and how, you know, a 
monounsaturated fat versus a polyunsaturated fat is different in chemical structure. Like draw the chemistry diagram of those compounds and show where they're different. I'm like, how is this useful in any kind of practical way at all? Um, oh my God, those courses were just absolutely worthless. So what are my certifications? I have not, I, I do have a J3U level one certification that I completed recently, which has been absolutely the most useful of everything. Um, but I don't think that's even recognized as like, it's not an, uh, certification that you can use to get insurance for personal training, which is the only reason you need a certification to begin with. Because, you know, here's the thing. If you take some buddy who's been going to the gym for three years off the streets and put them through an ACSM certification or don't. So you're, you're creating a divergent path here. You take the same person, either put them through the certification or don't, and then have them converge down the road and have them train clients. There's going to be no difference in the outcome for those clients. Absolutely none whatsoever. Like you learn nothing practical or applicable by going through a certification course like that. Now, NASM, ISSA, I don't know, maybe, might be different. I haven't done those, not going to, can't speak to those. ACSM, fucking worthless, completely. So, this podcast is sponsored by the American College of Sports Medicine, serving the needs of personal trainers since 1961. And I don't know, I made that up. They're not a sponsor, clearly. Um, so, I don't have any active certifications outside of J3U, which is actually useful and practical for bodybuilding and contest prep. Um and uh, the cool thing about that, so this is John Jewett's um, coaching uh, curriculum that he has put out, um, either for coaches or for just, you know, competitors who want to teach themselves. It's, I mean, for competitors, it ain't cheap. Like, <laughs> you're going to pay for it, and it's, it's a lot of material to get through. Um, but it's really good and valuable stuff, and he updates it regularly, and uh, it's, it's a good resource for sure. So that's been worth it. That's, that's the certification that I have. Um, nothing else is really worth anything in terms of, not just in terms of bodybuilding competition prep, but also just generally, like in the fitness world, these certifications are really pretty worthless. So um, I, do, I do have people that ask me, like, what are your certifications? I'll just, and I just try to tell them as nicely as I can, you're asking the wrong question. Like that is not relevant. Um, and I, I explain why, but, uh, in not so many words, basically what I just said here, how worthless they are. But as soon as anybody's asking me a question like that, especially if they're looking for competition prep, that's when I know like, okay, we need to teach you about bodybuilding here and what that's about, because that's not a question that a, a knowledgeable competitor is going to ask. So it just tells me like, we're starting from square one, which is fine. I've got a lot of teaching to do. I'm good with that, but it is kind of like just one of those insightful questions that teaches you a, uh, a good bit. So now the topic of the day here. So this, this was suggested to me by uh, former client, Jess Martin. Hi Jess, how you doing? Um, and I've talked about it before, but um, it it's worth kind of digging in a little bit deeper. So um, I know Michelle called in with a question about this a few episodes back about semiglitude, which is um, in a category of uh, medications. They're GLP-1 receptor agonists. They typically um, they, they are, are used in really they're, they're diabetes medications, realistically. So these are things like, you know, Ozempic, Manjaro, Wegovi, et cetera. Like these are all brand name reformulations of, of a generic drug, semeglutide, which uh, if you go to the Wikipedia article for that um, and fig- try to figure out how to pronounce it, they have like four different um, pronunciations. So basically whatever you want to call it is fine. You know, um, but the, 
the thing about it is how appropriate is it for bodybuilding and for competition prep? And um, going back to J3U, like, you know, there, there's forums for, for J3U members and, you know, people ask questions and John will respond to them regularly. And um, somebody asked like, hey, what are your thoughts on semaglutide and, and things like that for contest prep? And his thought, and I, I kind of agreed with this by default, was, you know, a lot of people use it because it has appetite suppressive effects. Um, and so his thinking was, you know, you sign up for this, just suffer, just deal with it. You know, people have been, have been doing contest prep for decades without this. And part of the process of that is a little bit of suffering. And so just get used to it. You don't need it. It's fine. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I kind of agree with that. I kind of agree with that. And now I'm kind of wondering a little bit. So I haven't totally come around. So my, my Jess was asking, like, she wants to hear my take on this. I'm like, well, my take is that it's still developing. My take is still developing specifically. I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers on this. Um, so it's, it's a complicated topic. Um, and there's some reasons why well, someone might want to do it and some reasons why not. Why not would be, um, like what John says, like, you know, the, one of the points of doing competition prep is to suffer a little bit. Um, we also learn a lot about those, um, hunger cues and the signaling that we get from that in the body. So that's a helpful thing to kind of, you know, be able to monitor without interference during prep. So I like it for that reason. Um, another reason why you might want to go without it is a lot of people have serious GI issues on these things, not serious. Like, you know, you're going to die or anything like that, but like a lot of nausea. Um, and in some cases people experience that and then they overcome it, they work through it and it kind of settles down. Um, my wife, for example, she was prescribed this and took it for a bit, but she, you know, she experienced that nausea and it just didn't go away. And it was just like a shitty quality of life. Just like she didn't want to eat anything, but it wasn't having the desired effect and it just made her feel like garbage. So it's like, eh, you know, um, so in that case, I'm like, ah, I'd rather not play with something that has a high likelihood of making somebody feel like garbage. Like one of the ways in which it does work is it does just make food less appealing. Well, I can't have somebody in prep who's not able to eat their complete meal plan because their appetite is suppressed to the point where they can't finish it. Like that's, that's a non-starter. That's a performance issue. That's going to veer into, you know, lean tissue loss territory. We just can't have that. Can't have that at all. Um, but then I'm also thinking, like the flip side of that coin, well, I don't know. I don't know if this is the flip side. But one of the main reasons why this thing exists is um, because it helps bring down your blood sugar and therefore over time your A1C. Your A1C is, I forget how the calculation is, but it's expressed as a percentage um, as opposed to your blood sugar, which is a concentration. Um, and I can't, is it milligrams per milliliter for blood sugar? I always just look at the number. I forget what the unit is, but it's something like that. Uh, A1C is a percentage of something. I don't know. We know what the right ranges are. Again, percentage of what? Eh. It's kind of like the analogy that I make with people. Like if you want to get really good at using a computer, do you have to know how transistors work? No, you need to worry about how the keyboard operates and how your operating system works and how you can open a program and how you can change font settings, et cetera. Being able to program a transistor or, you know, write in assembly language, like uh, who gives a shit? Same thing, like if uh, I, don't, I don't know how they calculate A1C, it just doesn't matter. Like what's the number? Okay, cool. <laughs> that's too high. That's too low. Whatever. Um, that's the more important thing. 
Um, so um, it, it brings down your A1C over time. So if your blood sugar is out of control, like if, if somebody is diabetic or pre-diabetic, they might have, you know, blood sugar in like the 130s, 150s, 180, 200, like uh, serious, serious medical problems there. So um, something like semaglutide will bring that number down and it can help significantly with that. And as the body becomes more insulin sensitive, then um, your propensity for um, dropping body fat goes way up as well. And also just, you know, the appetite suppressive effects, you know, um, oftentimes people, you know, type two diabetics, they get that way because they just, they, they eat and they don't stop. Uh, and they just, they, the, the hunger signaling is just not working for them or just the food impulses and the cravings are too strong and they just keep eating, gain a lot of weight, blood sugar goes high. We got problems. So, um, having something that actively lowers the A1C and kind of diminishes your appetite a little bit as well. It's a win-win. So you see a lot of people have amazing results on this because of that. There's nothing magical about it necessarily. Um, you know, if you just put in the hard work and drop the weight, your blood sugar will come down over time as well. And your A1C will lower over time as well. It's just a boost basically. So the question is, what applicability is there for somebody whose A1C is fine? So you've got a bodybuilder who um, maybe their blood sugar is a little elevated and starting to get a little out of spec because they've been off season. They've been eating a whole lot more. Your blood sugar tends to rise. Your A1C is going to look a little high. It's probably still going to be within range, just closer to the upper end of the range. No doctor is going to prescribe you semaglutide or any um, medication based on it for that. They'd be like, hey, why don't you stop eating so much? And be like, okay, cool. I'm about to go into prep anyway. Way and my blood sugar is going to be 70 in three weeks anyway, so it's fine. 70 being very much on the low side. Um, last time I was in a deficit, my blood sugar was in the mid to low 60s, which is categorically too low, but also it's like, you know, if you're not having hypoglycemic spells, it doesn't really matter. So um, low is good as long as you feel fine, and mine was super low and I felt great. So um, that's what we call high level of insulin sensitivity, which is great. It's a good spot to be in. Um, but you know, if, if you've been overeating deliberately in a growth phase and then you just stop doing that, your blood sugar and therefore over time your A1C will drop down. Um, so you don't need it for that. Um, and the, the correlation that I keep making here and, and the, the, the place that keeps tripping me up as I'm trying to work through logically is this um, a good thing, should we use this or should we not, is the comparison with T3. So also worth checking, like I should have looked this up beforehand, but is this on the banned substance list for any uh, natural organizations like the OCB? Let me check. They may um, be on the path towards putting it there because, you know, it is a fat loss drug. You know, it has been FDA approved for weight loss. So and they are typically, you know, not OK with that. Um, so drug testing here, banned substance list. Yes, here's the WADA list. And explore the list accept all cookies fine god just never ask me again please enter your keywords did i spell that right i don't know um no results found okay oh i did not spell it right okay lordy and no results found well that doesn't help me because um i still don't trust that i've found it um yeah okay so beta 2 agonists okay all right uh-huh similar exemption requests so t 
tell you what, I'm going to do something I never do here. I'm going to push the pause button on this and do a little research and come back. Please stand by. Okay, found it. Ha ha ha. I knew I could do it. I believe in myself. So uh, a couple funny things in looking through this OCB banned substance list. So um, one thing that's banned is muscle implants, excluding breast implants. Like that tells me that somebody doesn't know what a breast implant is because it's not a muscle. Um, so that seems weird. <laughs> weird that they would put it there. Um, one other noteworthy thing is prescription thyroid hormone um, is is banned for three years prior to competing in the OCB. Like that's so lame. Now you can you can file an exemption request, but I doubt they'd give it to you because they specifically say prescription thyroid hormone three years. Um, like some people need that. Uh, it's just it's dumb, and, and also like they're not getting a super physiological dose of that. Like they're using it as hormone replacement therapy for something that they need, and typically they've been on it for years. And you're not going to stop for three years and then you know do your prep and then you know. <laughs> I mean, it's just so dumb. I don't think that should be on. Like, you can have a competent drug testing policy and still be smart about it, right? So, um, now, um, prescription that, that manipulate insulin and use for bodybuilding purposes. Examples, Wigovi, Ozempic, Metformin, Rebelsis, six months. So, this includes semaglutide. So, six months um, free and clear you would have to be, um, which still, you know, if you use that to drop a ton of weight and then, um, come off of it and then wait a couple months, start your prep. Cool. I mean, as long as you don't backslide after coming off of it, great. So it's not a banned substance. Um, not, not a perma ban or anything like that, which is interesting. So, um, so comparing this to thyroid hormone, like if you were not for OCB, clearly, because I knew it was a banned substance, right? But for an NPC show, a non-tested show, um, where thyroid hormone is totally on the books, nobody cares, um, much like everything. Um, the proper way to do T3, if you're going to use it as a PED during your prep, the proper way is to use it as hormone replacement therapy. Like you don't just say like, okay, I'm starting prep. Let's get the T3 in there. I'm like, no. No, that is incorrect. Incorrect. So having a super physiological dose of T3 doesn't really help you. Um, what needs to happen is, you know, as you go through prep, as you accumulate fatigue, as you spend time in a deficit, your natural T3 levels are going to drop. And eventually, you're going to feel that. You're going to be like, ugh, fuck me. And that's your point where it's like, oh, okay, I should probably start T3 right now. Oftentimes that's around eight, 10 weeks out for people, something like that. And then you take it. And then within a handful of days, you're like, okay, all right. I still feel like I'm in prep, but I don't feel like I'm dying anymore. And that's how you know that you're good. And you can always, you know, check that with blood work. Um, if you want to, like, uh, a lot of people, the, the minimalists out there who want to use as little as possible, which is typically the smart move, um, will kind of wait until they're like nine, 10 weeks out when they suspect that they should start, you know, feeling the effects of low T3, get their blood drawn, see how it's looking. And then just kind of you know, say like, okay, here's what, where it was at the start of prep. Here's where it is now. It is trending down or it's looking fine, whatever. And then make decisions based on that. But the correct way to implement it is then you just start taking enough to get your levels back up to where they were prior, which, you know, for most people is going to be something in the range of 25 micrograms, just a small little dose that you're just using it as hormone replacement therapy. Just, you know, your, your T3 has tanked due to your prep. You're just trying to get it back up to where it was before. So semaglutide is different from that in that, you know, the markers that it improves are improving by you being on prep. Um, like it's trying to act on your A1C, your blood sugar. Well, it is, you know, actively working to drop that 
as well, but prep is also dropping that too. So it, it's not, you know, here's the thing. Would, would I, uh, would I advocate for T3 if the human metabolism was different and, uh, your thyroid hormone was, um, always at a good level all through prep and being in a deficit, a deficit didn't cause it to drop. No, because having more of it isn't necessarily going to help. So it's not really a one-to-one comparison between these two things, but that's the comparison that I keep going back to. Like, you know, there's, there's value in bringing this in because it's, it's helping to, you know, replace something that the body kind of needs replaced in order to, to perform optimally. This is really just an accelerant. And in that way, it's more like, you know, I'm kind of rationing through this in my head right now. It's more like clenbuterol. So clenbuterol is a beta two agonist in that, um, you know, you're introducing something new into your system that, um, is going to accelerate metabolic function. So, um, it's not in there to replace something else. So, and, and clearly, like, if somebody is open to that, then in small doses and, and monitoring it very carefully, sure, that's something that we can use, absolutely, again, in an untested show. Um, but that that's one that's a little bit more like, yeah, there, there's some adverse side effects from that. You want to be careful with it. You don't want to run it for too long. You don't want to run it for too as, as too aggressive of a dose. You really want to take a less is more approach with that. So still, it's not the same as semaglutide, but it is in that you're introducing something um, into the body that is not there to, you know, replace something that's becoming deficient, right? So point being, like, I still don't know how I feel about it. Um, I, I would typically, I mean, my, my default approach is going to be like, if we don't need it, great, let's not use it. I think if somebody is really, really struggling with appetite and just can't keep their shit together. So in this way, we might treat it like T3, like bring it in when we need it. And if we don't need it, we don't use it. So I think that might be the smart approach. I'm trying to craft kind of like a a mission statement for how I'd approach this with clients. Um, And it might be that. It it might just be that. Like, yeah, okay. Um, If it feels like we need it, we can implement it then. The other thing to consider there is, um, you know, most people will not get this via prescription, so you need to buy it as a research chemical, and therefore quality is always a little bit of an issue. Um, But, you know, if you take it and it suppresses your appetite and you feel maybe a little low-grade nauseous, that's a good chance, like, that's what it is. Um, You are rolling the dice anytime you use something like that that is not, you know, from a pharmacy specifically. So, um, yeah, I think that might be the right approach. Like, if we need it, great, but wait until it's needed. I have one guy who's going to be starting prep relatively soon, and before um, his last show he did with a different coach, not with me, and he used semaglutide throughout his prep. Um, He does have a little bit of uh, elevated A1C, so it kind of made sense for him. Um, I'm going to see where he's at once we're ready to start prep for this upcoming show, though. And if he doesn't need it, I think that's probably the approach to take. Is like, cool, let's not use it. Let's have it in our back pocket, and um, we can bring it in if we need to. Otherwise, though, like, you know, he's a big guy. He's going to need to eat a lot of food during prep still. So I don't want to have that complicating matters and making his appetite an issue through prep if it doesn't have to be. So, um, like, he, he's more likely to be on the opposite end of the spectrum. Not that, um, you know, he's starving all the time, but, you know, more like it's difficult to eat enough. So, um, 
to just to maintain tissue. So that's kind of what I'm thinking there. I don't know. It's, it's not a fully formed position, but that's kind of where I'm at on it. So does that help anybody? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Either way, we're going to call it there for today. So um, what is today? Today is December 20th. Um, so I'm going to try and actually post this today. I'm going to try and shoot a YouTube video today after I go to the gym and I have a call scheduled at one o'clock. It's a busy day. It's a busy day. So I got a lot to do. So that was a lot of ground to cover here. Thank you, Jess, for the suggestion there. Thank you, everybody else, for hanging with me as I rambled through all the other bullshit that I had on my list, my 4.15 a.m. ramblings that somehow I was able to kind of make heads and tails out of. I'm not sure how that worked. And the issue here is that now I have set precedent. So now I'm going to think this is a good idea next time around when almost very clearly it is not. So, um, I don't want to get too carried away with that. So that's all I got, guys. So um, stay safe, stay smart, stay healthy, be good.